0: Hello, 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 and welcome to The Downfield Shy. This is a podcast full of hot takes, analysis, outtakes, and bold prediction across all levels of the world of football. My name is Chase Gaddape and I just want to start off by saying thank you so much to everyone taking the time to listen and support this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and try to get this podcast available on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud wherever you are listening and thank you so much for a ton of support. As always, I'm going to put the links to the profiles at the very end of this podcast and online and make sure you like, subscribe, and follow wherever you're at as well as make sure you send in everything and anything and everything about college football. Um, so this episode will be the very first of May. I appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the first one and uh, give a support out there. The basic idea behind this podcast is we're just going to talk about Football across all levels everywhere in the world. We'll talk about matchups, Heisman race, divisional races, sleepers, underdogs, and then just the peer opinions and whatever we would believe in and what's going on in the world. So today is very, uh very special kickoff episode. I just want to say uh, it's a blessing to have here my really good friend, Matthew Feldy. What's up, my guy?
1: Uh, how's it going? Um, everything's going all good. I'm a sophomore here at Bethel University. I play football. And throughout about year and a little bit we're coming up on being here, I've discovered me and Chase are more of that. Uh, football aware here. A lot of other people don't have the same depth of interest in this as we do, so that's kind of <laughs> why Chase tried to kind of get me on here and get prepared
0: and spend a good time getting ready for it, So Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, well let's, let's talk about some news around College Football to start. Start. Um, so I saw this on ESPN um, article a couple of days ago, and uh, if the uh, end-of-the-year awards would be handed out right about now, the uh, Fred Blantonkoff Award for the best wide receiver would be Omar Bayless of Arkansas State kind of surprising when you see Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and people like that Um, and it's kind of funny because when you look at the stats though 31 players in Collegeville have been targeted at least 55 times this year of those only nine have registered a catch rate of 68 percent or higher and only three have averaged more than 13 yards per catch Indiana's Will Piler at 13.5 Wake Forest's Serge Surratt at 15.5 and then Bayless at 19.2 tell me something about that
1: uh, I find it really interesting looking at this obviously you're gonna think about like the Jerry Judy's the C.D. Lambs talking about this award and obviously those guys are in the talks and I understand where you're coming from looking at the numbers and all that but in the end If Come you're on. just going off best pure wide receiver, it's got to be like a Jerry Judy or a uh, C.D. Lamb. Alright,
0: all right. well, alright, well what other best punter? Ray Guy award always hand out I mean you there's some pretty notable names coming from that, but if we were handing out right now, it's Max Duffy of Kentucky He's averaging 51.2 yards per punt with a 49.3 net average. He didn't really have a good game against, uh, against Arkansas two weeks ago. And his averages are just now 50.4 and 47.7 respectively. Come on now. That's some that's some insane kind of stuff. So I just think it's kind of funny. So let's move on. Illinois and Nebraska will start the twenty twenty one season in Dublin, Ireland. And then actually, just a couple of days ago, Notre Dame and Navy were kicked off in twenty twenty one in Dublin, Ireland. And it's gonna be College Game Day. That's actually pretty sick. I think
1: that is unreal. Yeah.
0: So uh, around the world, let's let's talk about this first of all. Co- a couple of weeks ago, there was a Penn State alumni. I'm pretty sure you've heard about this on Twitter, Instagram, all kind of stuff. He sent a Penn State alumni, his husband and wife, sent this letter to uh, Penn State safety Jonathan Sutherland, and it's kind of like a little bit of like racist remarks going back and forth about how like his tattoos, his dreads, and the stuff he's wearing has just been like disgusting and not a representation of. Penn State saying the guys should go play at Florida State or people like that like that's disrespectful. So anyway, the whole point of this is coach head coach James Franklin made a quote about this. This is what he quoted to the to the press. He goes, "Jonathan Sutherland is one of the most respected players in our head program, the most respected player in our program." Franklin said in defense of his player at his weekly news conference. He's the ultimate example of what our program is about. He's a captain. He's a dean's honors list student. He's confident. He's articulate. He's intelligent. He's thoughtful. He's caring. Committed. And this is what he said. He's got two of the most supportive parents i ever, ever met. And I would be so blessed if my daughters would marry someone with his character and integrity one day. Give me your thoughts.
1: Um, I thought it was super interesting. I think it's very low and a lot of BS that the alumni would actually say something like that. Because, like, personally, I don't really care how you look. Looks in the end really don't mean anything. You also have to think, like, this is an alum who wrote this letter to him, which is truly disgusting. And it's really... Puts kind of something on like the Penn State because obviously they already have uh, yeah kind of a black streak across their name because of all like the Jerry Sandusky stuff and all like that yeah, yeah, yeah. but um something I thought that was really cool was that uh James Franklin Penn State's coach came to his defense and keep in mind like being a college football player myself like coaches spend like so much time with their players yeah, like a ton practice of time, a ton meetings of time, exactly and so obviously I think his opinion is going to be the best and for him to say something about um. Um, being like he'd be blessed if his daughters were to marry someone like safety Jonathan Sundard is insane. That's about the highest praise you can get coming from like yeah. a father himself. Uh, so yeah. just coming off of that, I think it's really it is really disgusting that those
0: alumni would say something like that yeah. about him. Not and then, even knowing anything. And then what about this? When they were uh, when Penn State was warming up for their Saturday night contest against Iowa the week later, some of the players came out with T shirts <laughs> that quoted chains, tattoos, and dreads, and we are. Uh, and I then I mean that that's that's hilarious like Penn State players come out and support John Sutherland. and obviously they want to support I'm not trying to do anything negative or biased towards it but then uh some of the coaches took up took up made the players take off their shirts just and they don't, they don't get trouble with the NCA but like that's kind of sick. that's that's kind of sick I think
1: I, I think that's super cool support just knowing that your guys in your team are gonna have you th- have your back you know through stuff like that through things that you know might be going on Twitter and the news and just know your guys are gonna have your back and really they're gonna risk, you know, possibly even getting in trouble, like with the NCAA, just yeah. to show their support of you. Yeah, so that is pretty. That's like that's the definition of a teammate. Yeah. So,
0: all right. And then this past Saturday night, Casey O'Brien from Minnesota. Pretty sure you've seen this. Coach PJ Flex crying after the game, and this kid, this kid, kid gets one snap, and it's holding a field goal and a pretty much a blowout win over records. But the deeper story behind this is Casey O'Brien is a four-time cancer survivor. This man's beat cancer and overcome cancer four times. He was able to hold one field goal in the Minnesota and win over Rutgers. And the emotion and the story is exactly what college football is all about. Uh, a little bit backstory: Casey O'Brien was a highly ranked quarterback coming out of high school. He was he pretty much had a ton of offers. He was going to go to a lot of Power Five schools. Pretty he was going to go pretty well, but then cancer hit and at at the end of his senior year. No one gave him an opportunity after all of his cancer, except for PJ Fleck, and it obviously paid off. After a couple of years, he was able to hold a field goal and just watching the video of after the field goal and his teammates surrounding him and um, just coming over and giving him a lot of support and hugs and then the embrace and the hug with PJ Fleck that was that was that that touched my heart pretty well like that was just something that was just unreal I mean let's uh, talk about that how about that Like that's just like what college football is absolutely because I mean obviously being
1: a he's a pretty good pretty big time recruit and coming out of high school and all of that happening to him and still just having like the opportunity to like, even a peer, like, obviously, you know, holding an uh, extra point in the college football games, not, it's nothing, it's or that
0: impressive, but obviously, it's still a super cool opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you're watching the video right now, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I can just, I can just see you're getting pretty emotional about it. Like, that's, that's, like, imagine doing all this stuff out of high school and being highly ranked, have all this, like, signing a national letter of intent, and then getting hit with cancer, I mean, four times. That's just, that's I insane. I can't wrap my head around one time and being four times, that's yeah. absolutely unreal. And I yeah. saw a picture
1: of, it was a super cool picture I'm actually looking at right now. It's, PG, it's from the back, PJ Flex just hugging Casey O'Brien and all the teammates around him. And yeah. the crowd's full, so I thought that was a super College cool, football. College yeah, football. super cool moment.
0: All right, and last part of the news, uh, University of Louisville played Clemson blowout, obviously. Let's just be honest for a second. Clemson's rolling right now. They 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 went off, Trevor Lawrence went off, running backs went off. Um, but about the middle of the third quarter, there's a there's a kickoff. Kick, um, Louisville's return the ball. Clemson just scored, and DB Andrew Booth is run, running on the field, and he gets into scruffle with a with a with a Clemson, I mean uh, with a Louisville player, and they end up getting punched in him. And then Andrew Booth takes a swing at a University of Louisville player, and he gets an unsportsmanlike conduct, 15 yards, whatever. Doesn't get he gets thrown out of the game, right? So anyway, there's obviously Dabo Swinney's mad. He's extremely mad. After the game, there's a video of Dabo going up to coach Scott Scatterfield of University of Louisville and apologizing, giving him a hug and saying, hey, just so you know, Andrew Booth can take the 450 mile team manager bus ride home instead of flying with the Clemson football team. Now, to me, that's 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 incredible. That's exactly what it should be. Dabo's got this culture he's trying to make and he's got this culture of football. that's like we're gonna be high-level, high-class guys and still play at a very elite level and then to make his DB ride a bus home people were mad people like oh they shouldn't do this like he's part of the team like talk about that like come on like that's like in my opinion there's there's really nothing nothing wrong with that but
1: i'm gonna actually agree with you on that i don't think there's anything wrong with that because obviously Dabo sweeney's a really high class guy himself and he always talks about like you just said having a really high class team while still being a high Mm -hmm. elite football team and um he's preparing these guys for like after football like obviously football is just a really small part of why he like, does it, yeah. obviously, so he's just kind of, I think it's just a small lesson and everyone's got to learn lessons, whatever yeah. age, you know, yeah. 4, 40, 16, you know, so yeah. I think that's, it is a, I think it's cool, obviously, that would suck
0: being Andrew Booth. <laughs> on the bus. Yeah, for sure, with a bunch of team managers riding that ton of ride home, but yeah, so, it's kind of uh, deserved. I
1: think, I think he kind of deserved it, just kind of teach him, like, hey, man, we don't do that
0: around here, so, yeah, yeah I cool. agree with that. Alright, let's move on to uh, top seven-ish people. I want you to name off real quick your top six, seven, eight, eight teams right now. As of Tuesday, October 22nd at 2.30 in the afternoon, give me your top six right now. Obviously, right, i obviously going to go with Bama, number one. Really no questions yeah,
1: asked. No question. I'm actually going to go with LSU at two. They are absolutely rolling right now. Joe Burrow, it's just <laughs> yeah, he's having a <laughs> Heisman, obviously a Heisman like season. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma still, I, I put Oklahoma at three. Um, Jalen Hurts is still rolling. I don't think he was doing quite Necessarily what he was started away, but I think he's still rolling like crazy and still is personally going to be my Heisman pick still. But we'll get into that a little later. Ohio State hasn't really played anyone yet, which is kind of how it goes for the year. But they're going to be at four. I actually have Clemson at five. I don't. I don't see them. With, Trevor Lawrence has been playing better as of late, but I just don't see them making a like final college foot playoff run. Obviously, I think they'll be in it.
0: Interesting, but.
1: Um, and I got Georgia at 6, and I have Florida now in at 7 after the Wisconsin loss. I originally had Florida or Wisconsin in, but they took a loss to an unranked Illinois.
0: and <laughs> Kind of yeah, hurts you. Kind of hurts you in the playoff run. It's going to kick them out of there. So. Interesting. Yeah, so my top 7-ish, kind of up to do the same. I got Alabama at 1, LSD at 2, Oklahoma at 3. But then I have Clemson at 4. And I have Clemson at 4, Ohio State at 5, while you have Ohio State at 4, Clemson at 5. The only reason, and I, I, I think right now Ohio State is one of the best all-around teams. Offense, defense, special teams. But with the way Clemson was last year, how they didn't really lose anybody, and the way they're playing this year, I understand they had struggles against North Carolina. But, I mean, the way they were still able to win. And their defense, their defense is just on a different level right now. We saw that, obviously, with when the way they played Louisville. And I understand Louisville's not that good of a team, but just their, their defense to click in. I still think they're one of the best teams. I don't know because they're not going to get tested until towards the end of the year. But right now, they haven't done enough to kick them out of the top ten. But they haven't done enough to keep the number one spot. You know, they even though they haven't lost since like last year or whatever. Um, they got Penn State at six just because Penn State's looking good. Penn State's looking, looking like they. I don't know if they can make a college football run just because they're kind of a relatively younger team. But they're. I think they're going to be. They're going to be pretty good when they play Ohio State. When they play Wisconsin. When they play. The big time teams gonna be interesting. I got Florida at seven. Um, there's some other notable teams. I got Notre Dame at eight, and I got Georgia at ten. Uh, only reason Georgia's at ten, I I struggle with this because they're I think they're a great team. DeAndre Swift, Jake Fromm, who have they got? But they've had a lot of offensive struggle recently. Obviously, with I mean I understand when they play Kentucky it was raining and that's gonna be hard for any team. But they're just offensive struggle in the past three games has been an issue for me. in, in order to put them in, in up inside the top ten, and Oregon eleven. Oregon was a was a preseason just like. Underdog. Everyone was like, "Oh, Oregon's gonna be sweet. Oregon's gonna be raw. Like, what's going Justin on with Herbert. that?" But I don't. I don't know. I don't think they're gonna be able to. They don't. I don't think they play enough teams to get them like the national recognition that they should be. They already have a loss, and uh, who knows? All right, I got some questions for you, real quick. Higher or lower? Should a five and two Iowa team be ranked number twenty? Higher or lower?
1: I'm gonna say lower, honestly. I'm gonna say really? lower than twenty. Yeah. Is it because of I two mean, losses?
0: Like. Oh, you want higher, like Lords, High. Okay, yes. higher okay. ranked, I guess, Okay, frankly. yes. Interesting. Okay, Baylor at number 14. They're 7-0 right now.
1: This kind of brings back time. So, like, when, obviously, like, RG3 was in it and Baylor was yeah. like absolutely raw, I would not put them at 14
0: personally because it's... Put them like lower? ...who they played in, like really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. SMU at 16. 7-0 right now. Shane Bouchelle kind of going off. I'll put him there. Just... Keep him there? I'll put him there. Yep. Okay, keep Interesting. Up. Minnesota. Your home team Minnesota,
1: number seventeen. They're seven and zero. I personally would not put them at seventeen. <laughs> honestly, they have really not played anyone, and yeah. even this week they're only going to play Maryland. And Maryland yeah. looked hot right away in the year, but really hasn't been able to keep that up. That's so there's Minnesota, a lot of there's a lot of, a lot of undefeated teams right now. There are. I don't think Minnesota has yet to play the Wisconsins, Ohio States. Which I think they'll probably lose both of them to. Okay, so yeah, that
0: was my question. On. When Minnesota plays your Ohio State, your Ruck, I mean, uh, your Wisconsin, well, how do they do? I mean, they're coming in. They're probably they're probably going to go into Wisconsin, on rank, I mean, undefeated. How how are they going to fare against a team like that?
1: I don't know if this Minnesota team quite has the physicality to hang with a obviously a very physical, run heavy Wisconsin team with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. So that will be a really interesting. Ohio State just always seems to uh, have our number. Really, it's the yeah. last five years, it, there hasn't been a competitive Ohio State game with Minnesota. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I would not put them at 17, basically. <laughs> okay. Would not. Not yet. They, gotta prove, they still got to prove something. I get yeah. they're undefeated, and it's hard to win college football games. It's hard to be undefeated in college football, yeah. but yeah, can't put them there. Yeah. All
0: right, let's talk about highs and talk. You know it was gonna come. You know this is a big. This is a big deal. You and I have to have this discrepancies in this, but relatively the same thing. Um, ESPN released their their Heisman watch a couple days ago, and they have Joe Burrow at one, Jalen Hurts at two. That's who I have right now. We'll go. We'll go back. We'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you my one. You tell me your one. One, two, two, whatever. Right. First of all, I'm going Joe Burrow number one. The Heisman Trophy be handed out right now. I think Joe Burrow wins it simply because of his stats. His stats and his on un- he beat two ranked teams so far. Respectively at the time of play Texas was number 9, Florida was number 7. He played them very well. He didn't just beat them, he destroyed them. But the way he played with the clutch drives. So right now last like la- last week he was he threw for 327, 25 for 32, 78% completion, four touchdowns no interceptions. Right now on the season he's just under 2500 yards and 29 touchdowns. And let's be real, in the past And right right now in their their games, I'm going to read you off his touchdown passes, right? In order, 5-4-2-6-5-3-4. That's unreal. That's unheard of. LSU can score however and whenever they want with the receivers that they have. And get this, right now, LSU does not have a running back in the top 25 for rushing or averages or yards or anything. Top 25. So Joe Burrow, as what the Heisman Trophy should be, Joe Burrow right now is number one. He's Playing as a top elite quarterback, I don't really think you can argue with that. His, uh, like for example, his clutch drives against Texas in the fourth quarter and the 21 un- unanswered in the second half in Death Valley at night, game day, college game day uh, against a top ranked Florida defense. Like, that's kind of hard to argue against.
1: Um, I know I personally am gonna, <laughs> I agree with, I do agree with a lot of that stuff, and I think, um to win a Heisman, you have to play big in those big games like the Florida and the Texas, which he did. Yeah. But my yeah. number one, I'm going to have to go with Jalen Hurts. I know just based almost purely on the fact, obviously he's having a crazy year, but the fact that he's on pace for 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, and could possibly overhave, easily over a 1,000 rushing yards. And I think in the past, the Heisman has really favored kind of more of the exciting player to say. And while Joe Burrow is obviously and incredible quarterback Jalen Hurts kind of brings more of that kind of that more like Lamar more Baker Mayfield style Johnny Manziel Tebow Cam like RG3 like kind of all of that aspect so I think to Heisman voters he's slightly more exciting in a way yeah. than Joe Burrow yeah. yeah I can see that I can now if like I was having a NFL draft obviously I'm, I'm gonna pick Joe Burrow's before like Jalen Hurts and like an NFL draft, like a big board or whatever. But for Heisman wise, I have to go with Jalen Hurts at yeah. one.
0: I mean, especially with, especially with the play where he extended play, put the ball behind his back, yeah. and completes the pass. Like that's just some stuff that's you, like you don't see. That's just like play. Heisman stuff. Yeah. So, so again, so like I was going Like my my number two would be Jalen. Now this is what I struggle with because I think Jalen and Joe are just like right at each other right now. I think Joe has a little bit more of an edge just because of his like his wins and the way he's played. But from a pure like what the Heisman Trophy is. Like, this dude's a stud, a baller, an animal, a player. There's no really question about who Jalen Hurts is. And then when he played at Alabama, stuff he's doing at Alabama, stuff he's doing now at Oklahoma, like, this is the kind of plays, like, the kind of plays that this dude makes can compare him to other Heisman winners. Like you said, Manziel, Baker, Kyler, Lamar, Tebow, Cam, RG3. Like, he's just as, if not more fun to watch on a Saturday than some of those guys were. So, I mean, with, it's just off of the stats, like, he threw for three twenty he threw for two thirty five and ran for one thirty one in a winner Texas. Very incredible defense. He counted for four touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. His insane behind the back play to extend the play and he dropped three touchdowns and three hundred and sixteen yards and just one incompletion. That's a very I mean, they're not the best defense in the world, West Virginia, but they got they got a pretty good defense coming back. Um so this is this is this is my argument for Jalen Hurts at number two. And why I think he should be one, but I still can't put him above number one, is uh, He's just, I don't know, Jalen Hurst, is, his, what he's been doing. So right now in the season, he has 1,758 passing yards through six games with 17 TDs. There was one other Heisman winner that had this, roughly the same the same stats, right? He had, the other Heisman winner had 1,621 passing yards through six games, and also 17 touchdowns. His name? Marcus Mariota. So he's compared right now to Marcus Mariota. Now, Marcus Mariota had the Oregon offense, so they're obviously going to throw the ball a bunch more. Jalen Hurts has changed Oklahoma's program around him, and like you said, that like he's also on pace for right around four thousand passing yards, forty touchdowns. That is exactly what the Heisman Trophy is. Absolutely, because and then you have to go back and look at like,
1: it's kind of cool because the, the he could he make it a three year in a row a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, for exactly. Oklahoma? Yeah, like, that's, that's what that's I was saying. Like, that's just crazy. Yeah, that Oklahoma's been able to have quarterbacks like that just yeah. year after year after year. So
0: yeah. So who's your who, who's your number three?
1: So my number three I've not talked about it. number two. Who's
0: your number two? You said Joe Burrow. Okay,
1: go ahead. Yep. For all you already talked about it for all the reasons. So You get Joe Burrow too? Yep, I got Joe Burrow too. Obviously he's got the numbers. He's more of a pro passer and everything, so
0: Yeah. Okay. Then tell me your number three.
1: I have to go with Jonathan Taylor. I obviously the Heisman talks, it's been dominated by quarterbacks as of late, which I rightfully think it should be. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a lot of things. Jonathan, like Wisconsin in general, just always usually has that good back. And Jonathan Taylor um, had five touchdowns in a game against Kent State, which is pretty crazy. And he's just been one of Wisconsin's all time leading mm-hmm. rushers, which just kind of brings you to Heisman Sass when you get those crazy amount of carries. Yeah. And guys like Monty Ball and. Um, Stuff like that. So I just think that's why I have to put him there. So yeah. Right now, I think those three are kind of in the league of their own. Yeah, You can make arguments for a couple other guys, but I don't think it'll be anyone besides yeah. one of those three.
0: Yeah, no, I, mean, I agree with you. i put Jonathan Taylor. Shout out to Hunter Lane. Hunter Lane's a huge... I know that, that man is just... He, I always get DMs and texts and snapshots about how Jonathan Taylor's going to win the Heisman, but I'm, I'm putting him at three. Um, I would come out and say he is one of the pure best... He's one of the best pure running backs we have ever seen. Pretty much in college football. Um, yes, I understand he got held to 80 yards against the Michigan State defense, but the Michigan State has also one of the best run stop defenses at the time when he, when they played him. But he still had two touchdowns, and then just he's almost at a thousand yards already with nine fifty-seven. He's fifteen touchdowns and averaging he's averaging six point one yards to carry against the, the defenses they played. Um, I understand he only had, and this is I think this is, was his highest moment was when they played Michigan. Michigan at the time did not have the best run defense, but they had a pretty stout run defense. This man, Jonathan Taylor, had 200 yards in the first half, did not play more than six snaps in the second half because of a of a, a pulled hamstring, kind of like cramped hamstring they talked about. He had 200 yards before halftime and only played one half. Now, I would even go as far as to compare him to, to Derrick Henry. It's a big comparison. I understand there's a lot of, a lot of discrepancy about that. But I think Jonathan Taylor is almost a, if not better running back than Derrick Henry at the time. And like you said, like five touchdowns against Kent State. And he's uh, also currently Wisconsin's third-time all-time leading rusher. That's Heisman status. Yeah. That's Heisman's status. The, the, Now, just quick question. Does the loss to Illinois affect his Heisman status? Um, actually, no. Because I feel like Wisconsin lost because they passed the ball. Because they've got put in situations where they had to pass the ball. Wisconsin does not have a very good passing offense, which we, that was obviously seen with the pick and the clutch moments. And So I think that kind of puts it more on Jonathan Taylor because like when they passed, they lost. When they relied on Jonathan Taylor, they won. That's exactly what you want. In so you're almost running saying back. you could f- favor him in a way? No, I mean, kind yeah, of... like, like losing hurts, obviously anybody, anybody hurts. Yep. But I mean, like, at that, I think the game against Illinois just kind of showed how much of a valuable player... Jonathan Taylor actually is. Awesome. All right, I just got a couple of rapid-fire questions, and right. you're just going to
1: shoot me your thoughts. So what do you think about Dabo Sweeney being the highest-paid head coach in college football at $9.3 million a year over? Whoa, how much? Like, uh, $9.3 million actually. Oh, my. So God. Saban's at $8.9 million and Sweeney's at $9.3 million. And the next is, like, Jim Harbaugh, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart. But, like, $9.3 million a year, like, that's... He God, he. Re- so in April, he signed a ten-year, ninety-two million-dollar contract with. Clemson. Wait, say it again. So in in April, he signed a ten-year, ninety-two million-dollar contract in April with Clemson.
0: So Clemson's putting Dabo as their, he's gonna be their legacy coach through twenty twenty-five. Oh my gosh. Uh, so. I, I mean, with the kind of coach Dabo is and the culture he's created at Clemson, like, I don't see a problem with that. Yes. People are gonna say, "Oh, it's a lot of money for a coach." Like, yes, he's a coach. With how much money Clemson brings in, with the play, with the players that they have, the players that they, they they produce, the games that they win, the stuff that they bring in, I don't see a problem with paying him nine point nine million. But to uh, say, give him a ten year contract, I yeah. think, in my opinion, that is the smartest move Clemson will make in the next ten years.
1: So, do you think they're basically saying we're gonna be good for the next ten years? Yeah, I basically. think
0: I think they're gonna rely on on Dabo, and they have a. True faith in the kind of guy that Dabo is and the culture that Dabo creates to make him a ten year all time coach.
1: Because like like Clemson is just pumping in top recruits after top recruits and then pumping them out to the NFL. So yeah. I mean, what else do you want as a, exactly. like a five four or five star high a, school yeah high schooler? So yeah, all true. right. Uh, what do you think about Tua's ankle injury and he will probably
0: be out week nine actually. Um, week nine they play Arkansas. With all due respect yes. to Arkansas, Arkansas is not a good defense not a good team they're, I mean again all due respect I think Arkansas is a great program just right now they're playing, they're playing they're not They're not. a good team so I think I never wish injury upon anybody I really hope it never, it never happens to anybody listening or anybody playing ever but with the timing that this happened I think it was the best timing for Tua if he was going to get hurt because now you can have with like the uh with the advancements in like, technology and medicine, like he can get all this like procedures done and then rest all of this week. They go into a bye before they play LSU, which, again, perfect timing. He now has pretty much two weeks to rest on an ankle that Alabama has top-notch facilities. like They'll be fine. Does it hurt them with Mac Jones coming in at quarterback? Yes, because Mac Jones hasn't played a lot. He hasn't really played at all at Alabama. But it's also almost a blessing that it happened at this time. What do you think?
1: I agree. I think it's obviously it's the best time of the year. Um, does this hurt his Heisman status? Yeah, I. I think it could. I don't yeah. think it's a huge deal, honestly. Mm-hmm. now if this was going to be a game against like like an LSU game and he missed that, I think that hurts his Heisman yeah. status like that wise. But yeah. so Mac Jones, I don't think he'll do anything super bad to lose the game for yeah. Alabama just because
0: kind of team Alabama yeah, is.
1: I don't think. Like he doesn't have to do anything for them to win. Now if he plays really bad, obviously, you're gonna hurt him. <laughs> but what do you think about maybe putting Tua's younger brother in? What ha- like Mac Jones goes out, boom, you're with Tua's younger brother. That's what I
0: thought. Um, I will, it, I don't really know how many games Talia has played in so far. Cause I think they're kind of banking on Talia being just as if not better than Tua. I don't know if that will happen. but with the whole red shirt, with the whole red shirt, like. Um, thing of four games. I, 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 it'd be interesting to see if they have him ready to go and then waste a game for his red shirt, or they just say, you know what, Mac, you're our dude. You're gonna play. You're gonna play for us. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ride you and see and see what you can do. But I don't know. I think that's gonna be a game time game time decision. I think this week of practice is gonna be huge for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So just another quick thought. I was actually just looking at a a Bleacher Report Heisman list, and they actually don't have. Jonathan Taylor in the top three. He doesn't even make the top five, actually. Do you but think it's because of the, the Illinois loss? I, th- I think it does have to do with the Illinois loss. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because they have they have Justin Fields and Justin Herbert and Sam Sam Ellinger ahead of them. No, I disagree with I disagree, that, disagree but... with all of those, honestly. I'm going to be with you. I don't think Ellinger's done enough. He's done a lot, but I don't think he's done enough. Obviously, he's got playing out a good Texas team. Justin Herbert has kind of been a letdown after all the hype that oh, he exactly.
0: got. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly why I wouldn't put just like with all due respect to Justin Herbert, he's not a Heisman Trophy candidate right now at all yeah. just because of his – he has not been able to produce the way he should have been produced at this coming up assist. But yeah. opinion, I had so. hopes for like a
1: Mariota type season for Oregon, kind of <laughs> being a low-key Oregon fan. but
0: Yeah. yeah, It's all good. All right, let me ask you this. This was, this was sent in by Connor Ferguson. Shout-out to Connor. Um can Jalen Hurts have a better Heisman campaign at Oklahoma than Baker Mayfield and Cobb Murray had?
1: I think he honestly can. I think it's going to really come down to his last couple of weeks. Um, I think he's put himself in a great situation to win it, mm-hmm. obviously. Because um, like you are saying against w- West Virginia, he literally had one incomplete pass. Well, he only threw seven, 16, seventeen passes, incompleted one. Had three hundred sixteen yards and three touchdowns. Also yeah. had ten carries yeah. for seventy five yards and two touchdowns. Like yeah. that's like that's like NCAA fourteen numbers putting up. Yeah. So he's literally leading his team in passing. He's leading his team in rushing again mm-hmm. on only ten carries. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really
0: putting him up there.
1: Yeah. Um, they play Kansas State next. So I, mean,
0: I think. The game for him is going to be the Baylor game when they play on November sixteenth. They play with Baylor. Oklahoma's five right now. Baylor's fourteen right now. That's going to be an offensive shootout. Yeah, absolutely. The defenses are not. It's and I think that could be his Heisman game if he decides to show up and just go off against Baylor. Baylor comes back and who's going to win the game with offense? That can be his. That can be his Heisman game. And I think the game also against TCU on November twenty third. I understand TCU's not the best team, but for some reason TCU plays very well historically against Oklahoma, and the defense is going to be ready for Jalen Hurts. So I think that those are the two games that's going to separate him above Baker and Tyler. Agreed. I think, he, like I said, he's put himself in a good spot, and we'll just have yeah. to wait and see. Yeah. All right, another one by Connor. Who would you rather play for? You as a player, as a strong safety, going into a Division One historical program, would you rather play for Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney and then explain why?
1: Uh, personally, this was a tough decision. Just kind of because I like to watch um, Clemson. Actually, does like these vlog things on YouTube, which are super sweet. Yeah, it looks like it just like, you're watching those with. Yeah, it just looks like it's super, <laughs> It'd be super fun to be a Clemson Tiger, but for my future, I would have to go to just Bama. And really, knowing their defense, like they pump out guys like HaHa, Clint Dicks, Minka Fitzpatrick, and their defense. So those are two safeties. that just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Going to the league, so I think. As a player, you just you can't say no to Nick Saban. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say no to Nick Saban on defense.
0: So. Yeah. What 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 about the culture? What about the just the culture between Alabama and Clemson? Like, what about what, what about that?
1: I think the culture Alabama's a little more old school, a little mm-hmm. more, and obviously it's working for them for a lot very long yeah. time. Um, I think Clemson is a little more a little more modern age. It still has that old school touch. It's if you know what I'm saying, but. Mm-hmm culture wise I
0: think that would change I'd probably prefer Dabo Sweeney's culture but yeah but just a, just as a pure player kind pure of saying you'd to go
1: Bama Nick Saban. yeah
0: um, this is, I struggle too with this because the culture that Dabo Sweeney has created at Clemson and there's the like you said like with the vlogs and just staying in the daily life like like kind of stuff that Clemson's does is just something different like there's something about Clemson that just makes you want to play even if you're not going to play like just go to Clemson right but it's very hard to argue against Alabama. And just like I'm reading off their past starting quarterbacks, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Blake Barnett, Jay Coker, Blake Sims, AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy, John Parker Wilson, like people that they've had play quarterback at Alabama have had successful careers inside and outside of football. Like just the both all won one national championships, broke records and but what there are as people doing now is just unreal. But then when you look at Clemson, who Clemson has, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Todd Boyd, Steve Fuller, like that's hard to argue against. Mm -hmm. I'd go as far as to say Clemson produces better franchise quarterbacks than Alabama does. I I can agree with that one. So if I were to have to choose right now to transfer and who I would play for, I would go Clemson. Now, yes, Alabama would be fun because they're the kind of program and being around Nick Saban. But as a person, whether that leads to the NFL, whether that leads to a desk job, like, I feel like Clemson is going to put you in a better spot for life. Life, period. Now, go, football, whatever, but we'll see. I, I would probably go Clemson. So you're saying
1: if you were to throw punch, you'd have to accept the consequences of riding a 450-mile bus ride
0: back? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure I'm not <laughs> throw punch. <point. laughs> we'll see. I mean, I'm also not fast enough to run on the field on a kickoff, but who knows? Who knows? All right, well. I understand you're 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 a very busy man. You got your, you got your business stuff. Also, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for talking with me about all this kind of stuff. I I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, this is only the beginning. I think there's a lot more. It'll be really fun getting down to like um like SEC Championship Week, oh all uh, that college football playoff. I think there'll be a ton of content for us to talk us to talk about. So I am pumped for that and really getting down close to the yeah. Heisman race and. Well, maybe we'll be laughing at some of our predictions we made now on October twenty <laughs> yeah. second. Mark so. this down.
0: Mark this down. We're gonna yeah. um, we're gonna see what happens in about three weeks, three yes, sir. four weeks. So, yes, sir. all right. Well, thank you for listening. I Appreciate all of you guys listening in every single podcast. And this uh, one, this again, thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you for all the support. Uh, hopefully, this podcast will be available on Spotify um apple Podcasts, youtube soundcloud wherever you guys listen to thank you so much uh if you guys have any ideas any shout outs any predictions any hot takes whatever you guys got go ahead and send those in i will link every single me and matthew's profiles and uh just the um just the podcast um link in in wherever you guys are listening to this make sure you guys go ahead and click that send me an email send me a dm send me whatever you want whatever you guys want to see on the show again thanks for listening really appreciate it we'll see you next time